Hello, lifers. This is Heather Drew, and this is the Life in the Whirlwind podcast. Today is episode 47, and this episode is called The Good, The Bad, The Ugly. So this is part of the Unity series. Uh, It'll become clear later why, (laughs) but um, I don't usually like using labels, as you all know as many of you know. But I actually, uh, so this title has is full of labels, right? Oh my gosh. So unlike Heather, right? Well, uh, I heard this Lecrae song this week, and <laughs> I thought I, it's actually the title of the song is the title of this episode. So the little, that's a little spoiler alert slash teaser. Uh, at the end of this episode, I will play the song, the Lecrae song, good, bad, ugly. But let's talk about that first. So recently I have been teaching on the theology of suffering and trauma at my school. And uh, basically just, you know, big questions like the spiritual implications and effects of trauma and suffering. And it has me considering this all-important question of uh, where do we put our pain or what do we do with it? This is a question that uh, if you're a counselor or any kind of helping professional, you're familiar with this question. This is a question that we often ask, but it's a really, it's a very human question. It it must be asked of all human beings, right? Uh, what do we do with our pain? So last Monday, when I was teaching my students who are all masters in counseling students, I asked the question, we were talking about pain and suffering. And I asked the question, where do people typically seek refuge when they are in pain? Their answers were things like addictions, relationships, risky behavior, substances, Uh, escapist behaviors, escapist activities, um, like travel or vacations or something, um, or sleeping too much or something, Um, going to counseling. And I haven't, I noticed uh, the word, no, no spiritual community was mentioned, no church. And so I was a little surprised. And then finally somebody said, not really church. (laughs) <laughs> I thought that was very interesting. Though, in all fairness, there were some really beautiful stories told of safe, uh, safe receiving in spiritual communities and churches later on. You know, as people started telling their stories, there were some really hard stories and then there were some really beautiful stories. So it was a mix for sure. Nothing is all one way or the other, right? But it did raise this question for me. Um, it, well, it didn't raise the question. It reminded me. It reinforced, I guess, this question that I have inside and that I observe on the outside. Um, are spiritual communities always safe for people who are in pain? This is not a critique. This is an, actually just a curious exploration with, of course an invitation at the end. (laughs) So, um, 
something that, you know, I've been really, I've been thinking about this quite a bit. If you do follow me on Instagram, Life in the Whirlwind, uh, that's my, that's my screen name or whatever it's called. My profile name. I don't know. Like such an old lady, I don't really know what that's called. Instagram, life in the whirlwind. I recently posted a picture the other day of uh, some specific pieces of the book of Lamentations in the Bible, which is basically like one extremely long lament, like complaint, crying out, you know, feeling filled, emotion filled really dark poem, letter to God, basically. It's really lovely. Uh, and it's also really, really difficult. But I've also been reading a book by a man named uh, Chan Ra, and it's called Prophetic Lament. So I have been sort of seeping myself in these topics. And um, both the Book of Lamentations and this raw book, Prophetic Lament, which is, by the way, a book on the Book of Lamentations and kind of its implications in the modern society. Uh, I I liked it. It was a hard read, but I liked it. Um, both have really pointed out how unpopular truth speaking about pain is. How uncomfortable we are when we read Lamentations or prophetic lament, or um, books like The Cross and the Lynching Tree, or The New Jim Crow, or Untie the Strong Woman. There's all these, there's all these uh, very uncomfortable things that we don't typically say. It makes people very uncomfortable. So there really isn't a lot of truth speaking about pain going on, unfortunately. I think we're made to do this, but we avoid saying real stuff so often. I think we're afraid of uh, losing friends or being called crazy or uh, being shunned kind of thing. And so I get that. It's a hard balance, but the world needs truth. We really need some truth. We cannot shy away from our true stories, from our real stuff um, in some kind of context, right? So disclaimer, what, uh, ugh, there's going to be probably a couple disclaimers in here. I'm not suggesting that you should go around telling all of your stories to everybody. That's a poor idea. That's going to get you into a place that won't be pleasant uh, because not everybody's safe and you don't want to tell it all at once and you don't want to get it all out there to ever, lots of people. I call that leaking. It's, it's not, it doesn't work well for you or, uh, your story. Basically it doesn't do honor and justice to your story when you just share a lot of it all at once with a lot of people. We'll get around to my suggestion, alternative suggestion later. So anyway, back to this. Um, so really, truth-telling is needed. It's uncomfortable, but it's needed. Uh, telling our stories, right? Telling the truth. Telling fact. <laughs> so some of the areas that I think are not talked about, some of the areas that maybe uh, get bad press, I guess, or don't get a lot of space, unfortunately. 
is anybody who I guess would be considered an outlier. So people who have been through abuse of any kind, um, I've heard, you know, I'm a counselor, I'm a therapist, psychotherapist, and I hear stories a lot of the time. I've heard stories for years and years of abuse. And um, some of the most common stories are when someone's been abused and uh, no one believes them. No one believes their story. Um, Another thing that, another area that isn't talked about much is privilege, white privilege, uh, and the disunity that that creates in this world. Um, also with that goes racism and classism, of course, um, lots of things go along with that, but also gender inequality. We don't talk about often enough that a woman it's, you know, there's research, there's data that shows a woman in the exact same job as a man makes less money. It's data. It's just data. (laughs) Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm a woman, in case you didn't notice. So that impacts me. Uh, What else? Abuse of power. We don't like talking about that. That's uncomfortable. Um, That goes along with all the things A4 mentioned, obviously. Um, But abuse of power in any sense, like, you know, one person has more power than the other. It can be very subtle and it can be very obvious. Either way, we don't like talking about it. It's uncomfortable. Um. The way that LGBTQ plus people are treated, people in that community are treated, that's something that we don't talk about very often, how poorly they're treated, particularly, unfortunately, by many spiritual communities, religious communities. Um, Also, people with painful childhood stories, Um, anything that, you know, is wrought with tension and pain from childhood or a long time ago. So these are the just like really basic list of ones that I'm aware of on the surface, just right off the top of my head. But all of these people tend to be outliers and not a lot of people make space for their stories. And so that is unfortunate. <laughs> I'm going to speak the truth about how we don't speak the truth. It's meta truth. Uh, it's really not okay. So we often really don't make room for the hard stories that people need to tell, and they live in every single one of us. No one is exempt from having a story that they probably haven't told somebody or that they're afraid to tell someone or something like that. They've only told one or two people. Um, But here's the thing. This is where the trouble comes in the pretty bad trouble comes in so shame we've talked about shame some and many of you know what that is many of you know what it feels like many of you don't shame is not the same as guilt guilt is i did something bad and i feel bad about it shame is i a belief that i am bad a belief that something is inherently wrong with me at my core and usually these are messages from people other people um, the deceiver voice in our heads, the uh, person who is against us, their voice in our heads. So the shame is very active when we are not telling our stories. It is also, shame is also waiting for us wherever we're about to tell our stories. 
and where because shame shows up wherever good stuff is about to happen or is possible. So um, when we tell our stories, we connect and we uh, gain power back. We disempower the darkness of our of our hard pain stories. Um, we increase our own power. We use our voice, which is what we're made to do. We're, um, you know, autonomous beings. We gain autonomy in doing this. So shame really is not interested in that. It really, really wants the opposite as often as humanly possible. So one of the best and quickest ways uh, to disrupt unity is to introduce or allow shame into the picture. Because shame disconnects. Shame devalues. Shame drives people into hiding. Like anyone with a pulse, anyone nearby within an arm's reach, it's totally equal opportunity. Um, it, it disrupts unity. So that's why this is in the unity series. Because if we are not making space for each other's stories, shame is going to show up and disunity is going to show up and disconnection is going to show up. Unity is not possible unless we are making room for each other's stories. So how do we do it? There's a few things that are possible. Um, today, I kind of want to talk about this concept of lament. So what is lament? Lament is using our voices to tell stories of truth and not staying silent about pain and disruption and suffering and injustices that we have seen or that have happened to us. Uh, lament is truth-saturated. It is soaked in truth. It is dripping with truth. Powerful experiences call for powerful language. So oftentimes, lament has a lot of very strong language in it. Um, save the fluff for your craft time. <laughs> this is not the time. Lament is not the time for fluff. Uh, and often, lament is directed at a higher power. God, um, any, any higher power that you hold in your life, basically. It's often directed in that, toward that being or that power. It can be written. It can be a song. It can be mixed media art. It can be movement. It can be a combination of all of those things. It can be walking while talking. It can be writing, whatever. There's so many options. It usually ut utilizes the body because we are whole beings and uh, we need to be creative with our bodies as often as possible in order to tell shame to shove off. It works really well, trust me. Okay, so I'm going to read something to you from La Biblia. Oh, here are the pages. There's an actual book here. I almost, I almost dropped it. Uh, so I'm going to read to you Psalm 88. Psalms are songs. They are worship songs written a very long time ago. This is 
<laughs> I love the preamble to this psalm. It says, a song to be sung to the tune of the suffering of affliction. <laughs> Just in case we weren't sure. This is a song of affliction. <laughs> I love that. I'd love to hear the tune, the suffering of affliction. <laughs> I would love to hear that tune. I've never heard it. It's probably dirgy. So, okay, here is the psalm 88, number 88. O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out to you by day, and I come to you at night. Now hear my prayer, listen to my cry. My life is full of troubles, and death is drawing near. I am as good as dead, like a strong man with no strength left. They have left me among the dead, and I lie like a corpse in a grave. I am forgotten, cut off from your care. You have thrown me into the lowest pit, into the darkest depths. Your anger weighs me down. With wave after wave, you have engulfed me. You have driven my friends away by making me repulsive to them. I am in a trap with no way of escaping. My eyes are blinded by my tears. Each day I beg for your help. I lift my hands to you for mercy. Are your wonderful deeds of any use to the dead? Do the dead rise up and praise you? Can those in the grave declare your unfailing love? Can they proclaim your faithfulness in a place of destruction? Can the darkness speak of your wonderful deeds? Can any in the land of forgetfulness talk about your righteousness? Oh Lord, I cry out to you. I will keep pleading day by day. Why do you reject me? Why do you turn your face away from me? I have been sick and close to death since my youth, and I stand helpless and desperate before you. Your fierce anger has overwhelmed me. Your terrors have paralyzed me. They swirl around me like floodwaters all day long. They've engulfed me completely. You have taken away my companions and loved ones, and darkness is my only friend. This is in the Bible, people. This is smack dab in the middle of the Bible. Um, did that make you feel uncomfortable? Did you notice any discomfort in your body, in your mind, in your feelings, in emotions? Did you feel it? It's uncomfortable. It's really strong language. It's, it's very angry. Uh, it's very truthful. It does not mince words. It uses strong language. It is real. It is raw. It is honest. And it is pointed at God. It's pointed at God. So many people, I had so many students, of, um, I have had so many students come up to me and say, you know, I, in the culture I grew up in, it's completely unacceptable to question God or to be angry at him. Yeah, well, guess what? That's totally not in the Bible. <laughs> the Bible is wrought with uh, those kinds of things, what I just read. It's full of it. There's so much in there. And here's the thing that I think, and this is why it is so important, that um, there's a really big difference between despair and turning away from the higher power that we so 
cherish and and uh, have mixed relationships with. Um, if we can't be honest with God, I'm really not sure who we can be honest with. Uh, that's my personal stance. I am sure you can you could argue with me on that one, and I'd be happy to listen because uh, I've been there. I've questioned these things many, many times. But I here's the thing: is I really believe like we can say these things, and actually coming to higher power, to God, to the divine. Uh, with these questions, it makes us really honest people. It makes us really uh, alive people. <laughs> so if you're listening to this and you consider yourself a Christian person, this is worship. It's in scripture. And somehow along the line, we have lost our ability to do this, practice this well in our communities, not just in our own lives, but in our churches, in our spiritual communities, it's, it's missing. It's just not there as much as it should be. And then for everybody else, anyone and everyone who's listening to this, it is our responsibility to make space for the real stories of our lives, for the good, for the bad, and for the ugly. And I don't usually use labels, and I'm and I'm doing it. The things that we use those labels for, um, these things need to be told. We need to make space for them. We need to make space for them in our homes, in our journals, in our friendships, uh, in our art, in our spiritual communities, with our neighbors, all all the places, all the places. So here's my invitation to you, because here's the thing. Small steps can change a whole lot. Here's my, here are my steps. Here are my invitation, two invitations to you. On one side of this, go first. Maybe you write something like this. Maybe you write your own version of Psalm 88 or something like it. Lamentations 3 is another one that's pretty intense. It's up, it's down, it's all around. Um, And then go ahead and just share it with one person who you deem trustworthy. Somebody who has shown themselves to be trustworthy. Just one person. Not a a whole lot. Not your like whole school. Not your community. Your whole whatever. Uh, Not on the streets. Just one friend. One person who you deem trustworthy. And then after you do those two things, you write it or you create it and then you share it care for yourself afterwards. Be kind to yourself. Even something as, you know, quote unquote, simple and very powerful as saying, I did a brave thing today. I did something that was risky and it connected me with somebody else. And it made my story known to somebody. Good job, me. (laughs) Never Never underestimate the power of that stuff. Okay, so that's going first. But if you're on the other end and you are being asked to bear witness to somebody's story, here's my invitation to you. When someone's sharing their story with you, their raw, honest, real story, sit with quiet, attentive listening. Just sit quietly and attentively and intentionally listen to what the person is saying. 
pay attention to the details. Pay attention to the way that they're saying it. Breathe it in. Feel it. Think it. Hear it. Get it in your body. And then when the person seems to be done or is done, tells you he or she is done, thank the person for sharing. Just simply say, thank you so much for sharing your story with me. And that's it. Do not fix. Do not say anything else. You don't need to give them advice. That's not a positive plan. Uh, Just say thank you. Maybe if you want to say something else, maybe you ask them, what was it like to share that story with me? Thank you so much for sharing that. What was that like for you to share that story with me? And then just somehow in a very appropriate and, uh, you know, get permission (laughs) for whatever you, however you're going to do this, but show them that you're grateful that they told you their story. It's a very big deal to tell your story any part of it. Uh, and to have space for that is very powerful. So if you're on the receiving end of that, make space intentionally, be great about it and receive it well, give it lots of air, breathing space. And, uh, you know, don't like be like, Hey, Oh, go wait, wait, wait. How does that connect to your blah, blah, blah. This other story that you told me, no, don't do that. Just listen, say thank you. And then, uh, give them a hug or something if that's okay with the person. Okay, my blessing to you is this today. This is uh, Rainer Maria Rilke. He says this, Don't be frightened, dear friends, if a sadness confronts you larger than any you have ever known, casting its shadow over all you do. You must think that something is happening within you, and remember that life has not forgotten you. It holds you in its hand and will not let you fall. Why would you want to exclude from your life any uneasiness, any pain, any depression, since you don't know what work they are accomplishing within you? So my friends, do not hide your stories forever. Think of wise, kind, sweet ways for yourself to share your story to lament the pain in your heart and in your body, uh, to share the burden with someone who is willing to carry it with you and love you and be kind to you and give you space. And may we do this for each other as a community of human beings. And now our friend Lecrae is going to tell us some of his story. Take great care, everybody. Like, but I just need you like, like I'm talking the, the good, the bad, the 
Remember back in 02 when I was in school and acting a fool. My soul got saved, my dad had been paid, but still I kept running off of my crew. Sex on my brain and death in my veins. Had a main thing, we stayed up to two. Smoking, waking and thinking we naked. My body was loving it, soul was hating it, man. Time and time after time, our bodies moved close, the girl was so fine. Heard a heartbeat that wasn't hers or mine. The miracle of life that started inside. Ignored the warning signs, suppressed that truth I felt inside. I was just having fun with this, I'm too young for this. I'm thinking me, myself, and I. Should I sacrifice this life to keep my vanity and live nice? And she love and trust me so much that whatever I say should probably go blind. But I was too selfish with my time. Scared my dreams were not gonna survive. So I dropped her off at that clinic. That day a part of us died, man. I was barely in the first grade. Got teeth missing, watching Tom and Jerry trying to go outside so I could play. I was told to watch out for strangers, keep my eyes peeled for danger. Folks working late, I had a babysitter. I ain't about to sit here and name her. I was almost eight when she came in late. Woke me up with a game to play. Did a few things that's hard to say. They told me to keep that secret safe. Now, how a young boy supposed to deal? I'm trying to act like it ain't real. Had my innocence just stripped from me, and I still don't know how to feel. And I'm wondering how to address it. Can't tell my family too messy. So I just embrace it. It's hard to face it. I'm too ashamed to confess it. So I kept it in and they speak. Didn't think it hit me so deep. So went to it like I'm promiscuous and only God can help me get free. But I've been forgiven. My savior is and I'm out the prison. I know that. I got the power to say no to all of my struggles. Gotta control that. Every time we slip and we fall, gotta get back up and fight on. We are not defined by our past. The future look bright. I see the light on. Truth.